Welcome to Wilma's series on OEM updates. In today's session, we will be discussing a very interesting resident project titled Determining Work-Relatedness of COVID-19 Infections in a University Health System. My name is Dr. Alia Khan and I am today's moderator. Wilma is the Western Occupational and Environmental Medicine Association and a subcomponent of ACOM. We have designed these Wilma podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for Wilma members to stay current on topics of interest to occupational and environmental medicine physicians. The Wilma Education Committee members involved in planning this session and today's speaker have no relevant financial relationships to disclose. I'm gonna stop. I just got a message from David that you guys lost me. Alex, can you still hear me? I think it's on David's end. Oh, yeah, okay. I can hear you too. All right, should I still continue, Alex? Yeah. Over the last several weeks, we have been delivering podcasts on COVID-19 to keep our occupational and environmental medicine colleagues up to date on this novel and evolving pandemic. As many healthcare systems are just coming up for air, and while others are trying to stay afloat, we in occupational medicine have also been grappling with the issue of work-relatedness as it pertains to COVID-19. Today, we will be featuring a resident in occupational and environmental medicine who will be speaking on her research work dealing with this very topic. Dr. Sarah Johnson is currently in her second year of the UCSF Occupational and Environmental Residency Program. She obtained her undergraduate degree from Johns Hopkins University and attended medical school at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She is also a proud alumna of Teach for America. Prior to moving to San Francisco, she completed two years of general surgery in Chicago and has worked as a medical review officer for the past four years. She plans to pursue a clinical career after graduation and is interested in developing new strategies to improve worker health and wellness. Welcome, Dr. Johnson. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. Great. Your project is titled Determining Work-Relatedness of COVID-19 Infections in a University Health System. Can you tell us the objectives of your research and how and why you got involved? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, around early February is when we start started talking about COVID-19 and we had our first death in uh, Santa Clara County. And then by mid-March, UCSF started doing PCR testing and we started getting an influx of symptomatic and positive employees. And so as those numbers started to go up, um, the question naturally arose, how are these employees getting infected? Are they getting infected in the community or are they getting infected at work? And the reason why that's important is because you know, causation is one of the most important factors that we consider when determining um, workers' compensation. So I started discussing this question with our associate program director, Dr. Bob Harrison, and we started talking about how do you define a COVID-19 infection as work-related? And we discussed things like prevalence at, at work versus prevalence in the community, and then also the length of exposure you would have while at work for say, you know, an eight to 12 hour shift versus being at home and sheltering in place. So what we did was, um, we developed a case definition in the context of a likelihood model saying, are you um, likely occupationally acquired or unlikely occupationally acquired? And the goal of this was both to determine um, who would be eligible for workers' compensation, but also as a way for us to determine are our policies and procedures adequately protecting our healthcare workers or are these things that we need to you know, review and update? 
Great. And then tell us about what you found. So we had some pretty interesting findings. So as of late May, we had reviewed a total of 64 um, positive employee cases. And out of those cases, 25 or about 39% were determined to be likely occupationally acquired infections. And the remaining 59% or 38 cases were determined to be unlikely occupational. And at that time, we had one case that was still um, required more information before we could make a determination. Um, something that was particularly interesting among these cases was that out of our likely occupational cases, we found that 68% of those cases had a work-related exposure with direct patient care. Um, and compared to that, about 16% were from coworker exposure and 16% were from work travel. So things like traveling to a conference, which happened frequently in early March. So this was important because um, the issue of PPE kept coming up in our discussions when we were developing the case definition. And ultimately, we decided not to include PPE as part of our definition. And one of the reasons was that, you know, when you think about PPE, you think about patient care. And what about the situations in which um, healthcare workers wouldn't typically wear PPE, like when they're eating lunch in the break room with a coworker. And we actually had some cases like that where people got infected that way. So that was one of the reasons we decided to leave out PPE. Um, another thing that was interesting is that we found that even though doctors and nurse practitioners and nurses don't make up the largest percentage of our healthcare workers, they made up um, a disproportionately high percentage of positive tests. It was about 30% for each group. And so that raised a question of, are these groups, doctors and nurses, at a higher risk for acquiring COVID-19 infection, or does this represent a testing bias where they're more likely to seek testing because they are involved in um, direct patient care as compared to someone who doesn't have patient-facing duties like a food service worker or a janitor? Um, and then the other thing that was really interesting in our findings was that we looked at our case positivity rate and we compared it to other institutions. So at UCSF, our rate was about 3.1% positive, um, testing almost 2,100 healthcare workers. And then University of Washington tested about 1,300 healthcare workers, and they had a case positivity rate of 4.4%. Now looking at Stanford, they tested a very large number of workers. They tested 11,000 healthcare workers, and their rate was 0.3% but that was among asymptomatic individuals only. So it's a little bit of a different group. When we looked at their numbers that had a mix of employees and patients, their case positivity rate was around 2.4%, which is more consistent with what we saw at our institution and also at University of Washington. Um, and then when we were you know, trying to develop this likelihood model, as I'd mentioned before, one of the things we did was talk about prevalence. And so in order to try and estimate prevalence in our hospital system versus the community, um, what we did was we took the number of positive employee cases that we had at our medical center, and then we divided that by the medical center population and multiplied it by our nod, so the reproduction number, which was estimated to be between 2.5 and 5 um, based on data from China. And so from those numbers, we got an estimated prevalence in our healthcare system of 1.33 to 2.67. And then we repeated these calculations for the uh, San Francisco County, um, looking at working age adults, so 18 to 61, 
and we looked at the cases in that same age range and got an um, estimated prevalence of 0.74% to 1.49%. And then again, for the state of California, we did the same thing, and we had numbers of 1.09% to 2.19%. So based on those estimates, there was a higher prevalence of infections in our healthcare system compared to the general public, which supported our idea that you're more likely to get infected at work than you are at home. And then as we were working on this project, uh, Governor Newsom issued the executive order N6220, uh, which stated that all infections are considered work-related for any essential worker who is leaving home to attend a work site. So that also you know, further supported our findings. And its testing was PCR, correct? Yes, PCR. Did you consider antibody testing in addition to the PCR testing? Yeah, so we discussed antibody testing. We actually had an interesting case with someone who we found about later on um, after they were no longer symptomatic. And they had been, the way they came on our radar was they had a positive antibody test, but they tested negative on PCR at least two times. And so we were trying to decide what do we do with a worker like that? And ultimately, we decided that our definition would only involve you had to have a positive PCR test. Mm -hmm. Okay. And were you able to parse out data on residents as well? No. So that's something that we could potentially go back and do because we do categorize. We have a category, uh, a category for learners. So that's something that we could look at. But in general, the job groupings were doctor, nurse practitioner, registered nurse, um, respiratory tech or other techs like that, food service. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't have numbers yet for residents. And in what time period were you guys looking at and doing the testing for the healthcare workers? So our testing first started, I believe, March 14th at UCSF. And so each week we would update our list and get the latest numbers of new positive cases that were coming in. So these numbers were probably from about March 14th to uh, May 20th. Okay. So um, I'm sure as you were talking with faculty at UCSF, the, the nuanced issue of um, community transmission, determining work-related as non-work-relatedness, I'm sure must have come up. Um, and, uh, but really great that you were able to look at the prevalence data too in the surrounding community. Um, what do you think are the implications of your findings for the occupational and environmental medicine physician? So I think there's a lot of important things we can learn from this. So for one is, um, you know, everyone in occupational medicine is well aware of the hierarchy of controls. And we know that PPE is at the very bottom of that hierarchy for several reasons. So um, one thing is in order for PPE to be protective, it has to be used correctly all the time. And so there's so much user variability there. Um, and then, like I'd mentioned earlier, you know, the healthcare workers are not always wearing PPE. They might be eating lunch, they might be walking in between sites. So it really points out the importance of looking beyond PPE to protect our workers. So what engineering controls can we have? What administrative controls can we have to protect people? Um, also, it points out the need for expanded testing. So in order to know if there are certain occupational groups like doctors or nurses or janitors or food service that are at higher risk, it's important that we do targeted testing of asymptomatic employees in those groups or locations in the hospital 
so we can find out who is at most risk and what are the things that we can do to either reduce or eliminate that risk. Great. And what is the most important thing you think as a resident you learned from your research? So this particular project was really interesting because the way we did it, we had an interdisciplinary team. So we had Dr. Harrison, who's our Ahmed faculty and you know associate program director, and then also Dr. Barbara Bergal, who is um, a professor at the nursing faculty. And then we also had a nurse practitioner candidate, Erica Ledesma. And the four of us sat down and reviewed each case one at a time systematically and had a conversation centered around our case definition. So each person brought a very unique perspective to the conversation. And it, I think it was really important. It was a really great learning experience. Dr. Johnson, thank you for providing us a synopsis of your research project, which I know many of us will find useful. Dr. Johnson will be graduating this month from her residency program, and I wish you the best of luck, and I hope to see and hear much more from you in the future. Thank on you. Behalf of the, oh, on behalf, that's okay. On behalf of the Wilma Education Committee, the Wilma Board of Directors, and myself as moderator of this podcast, I want to sincerely thank our speaker, Dr. Sarah Johnson, and also thank those of you who listened. The goal of these Wilma podcasts is to update you on a topic of current interest to occupational medicine. We know that this topic raises many more questions, and we hope that this information will generate further interaction beyond this podcast. You can check out our prior podcasts on the Wilma website, including our latest ones on the clinical aspects of COVID-19 with infectious disease specialist Dr. Shruti Gohil and dermatologist occupational medicine specialist Dr. Heather Lampel. Stay tuned for our next podcast as we continue with our resident corner titled Eat, Commute, Work, Repeat. What about sleep? With Dr. Nate Clapp. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. Thank you.